Turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Chronicles and chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to be reading the first 12 verses this morning as we focus on the first part of this text. And then this evening we will return to pick up with verse 13 through 30. It's here now, the word of God, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Minuites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold the men of Ammon, and Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt. And to whom or and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you thus far God's word let's pray together Father we thank you that you are the eternal God and you change not and what you were for Jehoshaphat in that great day of distress you will be for us this day Help us to call upon you to seek the Lord with all our strength and enable us this day to see here in this your word counsel, wise counsel for everyone who is hurting, who is struggling, who is wrestling with any problem, great or small. May we seek your help. 
through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we began last week, those of you who were here may remember last Sunday evening, we began by speaking of the fact that many believers, perhaps all believers, have one or more favorite psalms. Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 91, Psalm 100, Psalm 119. We could probably make quite a list if we were to talk about different psalms that we really, really appreciate. And one of those psalms that have to rank high upon that list is Psalm 46, particularly verse 1, where we hear those words, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In times of trouble. Hence our title for the sermon this morning and this evening. This morning I want us to to consider these words that have proven to be a source of great comfort to many. Especially when they find themselves in times of much distress, pain, sorrow, or difficulty. I want us to consider these words not just as a good verse to remember. Psalm 46.1 ought to be in your memory and in your heart. If it's not, you ought to take the rest of this afternoon and commit it to memory. But I want us to see that this is not just a good verse to remember or to quote at a particular time. I want us to realize These words and the truths they convey change our lives. They change the way we think. They change the way we look at God. They change the way we pray. They change even our emotions in a particularly difficult situation. And while there are many different examples of men and women throughout the scriptures that have experienced help from the Lord, no one, I don't think any other individual serves as a better example of one who received grace from God in an extraordinary way than King Jehoshaphat. Now, in this passage, Jehoshaphat finds himself in a very difficult situation. But more than that, we find that by his faith and by his love for the God of the Bible, he is brought to know, to to experientially know the comfort and the power and the help of Almighty God. And my friends, ultimately, I want us to see and to know that what was true then is true still today. And that the God who helped Jehoshaphat will help us today. 
in our difficulties and situations. So as we see and deal with this particular passage, you see in your notes there three things that we're going to consider this morning. Jehoshaphat's situation, then his response, and then his prayer, or at least the beginning of that prayer. And then this evening, we will continue to unpack that prayer because there's just simply too much here for us to get it all in one setting. So we'll come back this evening, Lord willing, and continue to see what this prayer could mean to you and me. First of all, let's look at Jehoshaphat's situation as it's described here in the scriptures. Now, sadly, we live in a generation, even a generation of believers, I think, that are oftentimes very unfamiliar with the pages and persons of the Old Testament. If we were to think about this individual, King Jehoshaphat, and what came to mind is, you know, those video clips of Ray Comfort going out onto the street and asking this person or that person, who is so-and-so, who is so-and-so? And half the time they're like, I've never heard of him. Famous personages, don't know, never heard of him. I wonder what would happen if he went up to someone on the street and said, who was King Jehoshaphat? And I can only imagine what could be said. Well, wasn't he the captain of the Titanic? Or, or was he the drummer for Elvis back in the day? It, people don't know who King Jehoshaphat is. Perhaps the most pertinent question. Do you know who King Jehoshaphat was? King Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings of the southern kingdom. He was the, the fourth king to reign in Judah after the division of the kingdom under Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And he was one of the good kings. He reigned for 25 years, and he did much good. You can turn back just a couple of chapters to Second Chronicles 17, and we get a sense for what this man was like. In verses 3 and 4, and again in verse 6, listen to what the Scripture says. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. And then in verse 6, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. There's much more there, but that, that gives us a sense. This was a good man. A man that loved God and loved his word and followed, was obedient to these commandments. But brethren, you realize that our text this morning 
something very significant to say to us. Because what it says is that even good men who love God and who keep his commandments will often find themselves facing severe trouble, affliction, pain, painful and perplexing situations. And in this case, we read exactly what the problem was for Jehoshaphat in verses 1 and 2. It is said the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others beside them, Ammonites, are coming to battle against Jehoshaphat. There's a great multitude, and we'll explain that a little bit. There's a great multitude coming against you from the sea, Jehoshaphat. My friends, there was no question about what this was all about. Turns out that at least three neighboring nations have joined together and they are now marching to Jerusalem. And they're not coming to have a party. They're not coming to celebrate this righteous king and his long reign over Judah. They're coming to destroy him. Their purpose is simple. We're going to wipe you off the face of the earth. You and all your people. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this was not good news for Jehoshaphat. We could say he was outnumbered and outgunned. Humanly speaking, there was no hope that either Jehoshaphat or his people were going to survive. You understand, this, this is not a minor inconvenience. This is, this is not a, a flat tire in the rain. This is a major problem. Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah are in serious trouble. And there's no place to run, and there's no place to hide, and there's no one that Jehoshaphat can turn to for help. Now, that's the situation. Have you ever found yourself in a hard situation like that? I don't imagine any of you have ever been surrounded by a hostile army that's threatening your life. But my friends, you may have been in a situation, a, a time of serious trouble or great distress, a situation that as far as you can see, disaster is just around the corner. And it could be any number of things. It could be a pressing financial need and you're wondering, how am I going to pay that bill? It may be some great distress that comes because of physical illness. 
to you or to, to one of your family, to one of your children. Brethren, there are few things that can distress and disturb a parent more than seeing their child sick and in great need. Or perhaps the problem is in your home, in a relationship, maybe with a spouse, maybe with a child, a brother, a sister, some other member of the family, and you just look at this situation and you don't see a way forward. You look at the situation and say, this is not going to end pretty. This is a hard, pressing, difficult problem that we are dealing with. Or maybe, my friend, maybe the problem is spiritual. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're very distressed and, and because of some sin that you can't seem to get victory over. Or maybe it's some temptation that you're dealing with and it's causing you much discomfort and distress. Maybe it's just that your heart has become cold toward God. And no matter what you do, no matter what you say, nothing seems to change. And you're anxious and you're struggling over that. Perhaps you, like Jehoshaphat, are facing some serious situation this morning. My friends, there is one who can and who will help you if you, like Jehoshaphat, will call upon him. We can say more than that. We can say there is one and only one who can help you if you will call upon him. That one, brothers and sisters, can be a very present help in times of trouble. Well, let's look secondly at Jehoshaphat's response and how that is highlighted for us in this particular passage. Now, we're not here to sing the praises of Jehoshaphat. We're not here to exalt man. And yet, with that said, we need to understand that there are times when God gives much grace and wisdom to individuals. And then he holds them out to us in his word as an example to help us, to encourage us to know what to do. You may remember how the Apostle Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 11 in verse 1. And he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, it's not across the board that we say, oh, here's, here's a wonderful individual. We're just going to be just like him. But in those areas where the grace of God has prevailed in their life, 
We want to take note of them. We want to understand what is going on. Think, think of Hebrews 11 and how he just walks through the different individuals that God worked in them mightily in the course of history. And he holds them out. This one, Abraham. This one, Noah. This one, Moses. This one, Samson. This one, and this one, and this one. Because of their faith. Because they were trusting in God. And Jehoshaphat is given here as an example of one whose wise behavior has much to teach us. You can see three things out of this section and how Jehoshaphat responded. The first thing that we see in verse 3 is Jehoshaphat. Feared. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Now, I'm not suggesting, brothers and sisters, that we should respond with fear to these things. As a matter of fact, time and time again, God says, I am your Redeemer. I am with you. I will never leave you. Do not be afraid. Why are these words here? I think that they're here. Because they are included to show us that Jehoshaphat's desperate situation was real. This is not some, some hypothetical situation. This is a real situation. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. If you heard that a multitude was coming, they were on their way, they'll be here tomorrow night, and they're coming to destroy you. You would probably start being afraid. It's real. This is what happens in the lives of God's people. The threat is not imaginary. His life, his family, his nation are in serious danger. The point here is we're talking about real problems. We're talking about real pain. We're talking about real troubles. My friends, I may have never experienced what you're going through, but that doesn't make what you're going through any less real. And maybe whatever trouble, whatever problem, whatever difficulty you may be facing today or you may face before the day is out or the week is out is real. That's why Jehoshaphat feared. Perhaps more importantly, the second thing we see is Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. In this... Jehoshaphat is modeling for us what it means to trust in God, to call upon the name of the Lord, to seek help from him. Particularly, he is teaching us a very valuable principle. And it's this. Learn my friends, young people, learn now to look beyond the storm 
to the God of the storm. That's what Jehoshaphat is sowing us. He, he saw the storm coming. And, and, and brothers and sisters, I know, I know from personal experience that sometimes when we look out on our life or on our circumstances and all we can see are dark clouds, trouble, sorrow, difficulty. Jehoshaphat saw the storm clouds, but he doesn't stop there. He set himself to seek the Lord. And if you and I are going to experience the help that Jehoshaphat experienced, we must learn to do the same. Turn over to Hebrews 11. And there, Hebrews 11, it's one of the most striking passages, I think, uh, in this whole section. In verse 27, when it's speaking about Moses and all that he endured. And listen to what he says. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And listen, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. There's more going on here than what meets the eye. Moses endured by seeing him who was invisible. There's another great illustration of this back in 2 Kings and chapter 6. And this is the situation with Elisha. And the king of Syria has sent an army and the army has now surrounded Elisha's house. And his servant gets up and walks out in the morning and all he can see are soldiers and horses ready for battle And he cries, my master, my master, what are we going to do? We're all going to die. And do you remember what happens? He says, don't be afraid. Because there are more for us than those who are against us. And and you can almost see the perplexity in the servant as he looks around. What are you talking about? They're all against us. And the Lord says, or Elisha says to the Lord, Lord, open his eyes. And when the Lord opens his eyes, he sees the whole mountain filled with chariots and fire and angels. My friends, we need to look beyond the storm. We need to look beyond the things that are right in front of us, the things that we can see and touch and feel. We need to be confident of the blessed truths of the word of God, that God is with us. And Jehoshaphat sees that, and he sees that God is with him. Now listen, God has not revealed himself in Scripture as one who's off there in the clouds somewhere. He has not revealed himself as one who hides himself 
from his people in their times of need. God has revealed himself as one who is near to us, who is close, who comes to help and comfort and show himself strong on behalf of those who will seek him with their whole heart. Perhaps you remember what we see just a couple of chapters back in Second Chronicles 16, 9. These words were spoken to Asa. How many of you know who Asa was? Asa was Jehoshaphat's father. And this is what he heard. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. If you will seek the Lord, set yourself to seek the Lord like Jehoshaphat, you will find one who draws near to you, who shows himself strong to you, who will be with you and help you and comfort you. Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. What what does that mean exactly? I think we got the sense of it, that here is an earnestness, a determination. Jehoshaphat is not going to allow anyone or anything disrupt or distract him from seeking the Lord. We read this very thing of Jesus himself in Luke 9, verse 51, when it says he set his face towards Jerusalem. Nothing was going to stop him from going to Jerusalem because there he would fulfill the word and will of God to redeem a people for himself. There, brothers and sisters... He laid down his life so that we might be forgiven when we call upon him in faith. Similarly, Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. And the significant and, and, and urgency of this matter is reflected in a third way that we see in verse 3. Jehoshaphat proclaimed fast. In other words, Jehoshaphat, this was, this was not just a personal matter. Jehoshaphat called on the entire nation of Judah to come join with him in seeking the Lord. Brethren, this is, this is perhaps one of the most valuable lessons we have when you're facing some great trial some heartbreaking situation and you're suffering and you're hurting don't go it alone call on your brothers and sisters in the Lord and say pray with me about this help me come alongside of me That's what Jehoshaphat is doing. This is not just about his prayer. This is about the whole nation joining together 
and seeking the Lord. This was not your ordinary daily problem. And it called for more than ordinary means of pursuing God. Fasting. Have you ever done it? You should be. When you're really struggling, when the enemy is raging, brethren, take that time and fast before God. Fasting tunes our hearts to seek him with fervor. When the man with the demoniac child brought him to Jesus, it brought him to the disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus speaks a word and the, the boy is instantly healed and the disciples come, Lord, why couldn't we do that? And he said, this kind comes not out except by prayer and fasting. Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast. If you really want help, if you're going to really seek the Lord, it may demand more than the usual effort. Now, my friends, the significance of this particular section begins to really shine here as Jehoshaphat seeks the Lord, as he responds. And do you see it? This was his first response. He didn't send a message out to his friends. He didn't send an envoy to Egypt to ask for help. He didn't send anyone to Syria and ask for help. He sought the Lord. The first thing that Jehoshaphat does in response to this trying circumstance is set himself to seek the Lord. Now, what about you? What do you do in times of crisis? What do you do in times of, of extraordinary need? Do you try and figure it out yourself? Do you call upon your friends and your, your family? We, we can do that to come alongside of us. But the first thing, the first thing that Jehoshaphat does is seek the Lord. Now, if you want to facilitate that so that you instinctively cry out to God in times of need. You know what you need to do? You need to seek the Lord every day. You need to call upon him every day in every situation and thereby you, you cultivate that, that pattern so that when, when trials come, when you're suddenly faced with a crisis situation, you will instinctively, first before anything else, you will call upon the Lord. And that's what we see here in Jehoshaphat. Alexander McLaren, I've used several quotes of late, and this is another great one. He says, it is hard to trust when in the grip of calamity. But feet accustomed to the road of God.
can find it in the dark. If you want to really instinctively seek the Lord in times of crisis, then seek him every day. Cultivate, accustom yourself to the road of God. Well, quickly, our last point, Jehoshaphat's prayer recorded. Now, the prayers of godly men and women in Scripture are some of the most helpful, some of the most instructive passages in all of Scripture. We can learn much from the prayers of Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Elijah and Paul and many others. This prayer is not an exception to that. But one of the most remarkable things that I mentioned Wednesday night as we talked about this was this, that the crisis, the problem, the need was not the dominant part of this prayer. As a matter of fact, Jehoshaphat seems to get almost to the very end of the prayer before he even mentions it. It's like he goes through this and this and this and this, and then he says, oh yeah, by the way, God, see these people of Ammon and Moab? Could you help us with that? This is not the critical thing. This is not the dominant theme of Jehoshaphat's prayer. God is the dominant theme. Jehoshaphat calls upon the Lord. Listen to how he speaks. And mark these key thoughts. Oh, Lord, God of our fathers. My friends, Jehoshaphat is not praying to a higher power. He's not praying to the unknown God. It's up there somewhere. He's praying to the God of the Bible and to the God of the covenant. God of my fathers. And he's looking all the way back to Abraham and beyond. My friends, can you pray that way? Are you conscious of the fact that you are one of God's covenant people? Have you bowed the knee to the Redeemer, the mediator of the new covenant, Jesus Christ? Do you believe in him? Are you trusting in him? Jehoshaphat begins, Lord God of our fathers. And then, the next phrase, are you not God in heaven? Does that have a familiar ring to it? Like, our Father, which art in heaven? Yes, think of God as your Father. If you belong to him, Think of him as our father who is in heaven. He is unlike any other father you have ever known. What Jehoshaphat is driving home here is this God is a God in heaven. He's the mighty God of Jacob. He is a God of power and majesty and strength. Yes, there's an enemy coming that has great power. But my God in heaven has greater power. J.C. Ryle puts it this way. He says, our enemies are mighty. But our friends 
are mightier. And that's what we see here in Jehoshaphat. And then he says, are you not our God? And he begins to lay out all the ways in which God has worked. He's called, he's redeemed, he provides. And perhaps the most striking way in which God reveals himself as our God is that he hears and answers our prayers. He blesses his people, especially in worship. And Jehoshaphat says, Lord, here we are before you in this temple, before this temple, in your presence. My friends, the place God draws near most, the place where you will find the greatest help and comfort in times of need is not out there. It's here. And the worship of God as we gather together and we're supported by our brothers and sisters in the Lord and we seek his face and we worship him and we call upon him. Remember, remember who God is. Remember what he's done. Sadly, I look back over many years of seeing people go through some staggering times of difficulty. But you know what? Too many people, believers, facing crises tend to withdraw. They withdraw from God. They withdraw from God's people and they try to grit their teeth and press through it. But my friends, you will never find comfort and help by pulling away. If you want to know God's presence as he was with Jehoshaphat, if you want him to be near to you and help you, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's much more for us in this passage and Lord willing we'll be able to deal with that this evening. Let's take a moment as we close in a word of prayer and then a moment of meditation upon these words. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you Thank you for this glorious passage that reveals your strength, your grace, and your power. Would you draw near to us right now and comfort and minister by your spirit in the hearts of your people. Draw any that do not know you to come near and find hope and help in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.